So today we come to Genesis chapter 45. Now, I'm not going to do a, a detailed recap this morning, so if you weren't here last week, you can go back and listen to the recording if you so desire on our website at aloveoutreach.com. But it's, it's important to kind of stay within the context, but I'm, I'm not going to kind of recap everything right now. But what I would like for us to do, though, is go ahead and go back into chapter 44 and read our way on into chapter 45. That way it will help us out a little bit in, you know, staying with the context of the story. So back in Genesis chapter 44, and we'll begin reading down in verse 18. It says, Then Judah came near to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing. And do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you are even like Pharaoh. Now this is Judah speaking to his brother Joseph, as Joseph is in the position of governor in the land. And um, even though Judah doesn't know he's speaking to his brother yet at this point in time, But he says to him, for you are even like Pharaoh. Verse 19, my Lord asked his servants saying, have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, we have a father, an old man and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead and he alone is left of his mother's children and his father loves him. Then you said to my servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go back and buy us a little food. Now, I'll pause right there and tell you now, a lot of time passed before they went back to buy food again, before they went back to Egypt. They stayed back there in the land with their father for a little while before they went back. But finally, they got to the point where the food supplies were low and their father said, go back and buy us a little food. So Judah is pleading again with his brother Joseph. But we said, uh, verse 26, but we said, we cannot go down. If our, younger, if our younger brother is with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. But if you take this one also from me, and calamity befalls him, You shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Now he's referring to his other youngest son, Benjamin. At this point, Jacob thinks that Joseph is dead. And he's and they wanted Joseph wanted them to bring Benjamin back to Egypt with them. But Judas pleading with him, explaining with him why he couldn't and what the father has said and all that. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, verse 30, and the lad is not with us since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us that he will die. Again, what happened here now is Joseph said, we're going to keep Benjamin. You guys can go. We're keeping Benjamin here. You can go back. 
Verse 31, so your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore, please, let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we studied chapter 44, we saw how this was really a changed man. Judah was really a changed man. He wasn't the man that he used to be. And now he's standing in the place and and not wanting to see his father hurt in this way and not wanting to see Benjamin be left there as a slave. So instead he puts himself in the place of Benjamin, or that's what he's pleading with Joseph to allow to happen. And then in verse 1 of chapter 45, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. So this is not a private matter here. As his brother Judah pleaded with him, Joseph could no longer contain himself. And all the Egyptians heard him crying out. Then in verse 3, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. So the brothers are dismayed, and, and Joseph is just completely overcome with emotion here. This has been a long time coming, right? What's happening right now was no doubt going to happen because God had given Joseph those dreams all those years ago, but it was still overwhelming to all those involved. If you remember, in the first dream that Joseph had, he and his brothers were binding sheaves in the field. Now, in case you don't know, a sheaf is a, just a bundle of grain stalks laid lengthwise and tied together, you know, after harvesting. And Joseph's sheaf arose and stood upright, and his brother's sheaves stood all around and bowed down to the sheaf. That's what was taking place in Joseph's dream. And of course, we know that from the story, eventually what would happen is famine would come, and it made everyone low on sheaves, low on grain, right? There wasn't much food at all. But Joseph and the whole land of Egypt, because of another interpretation that Joseph gave of a dream, there was plenty of food in the land of Egypt. Plenty of grain, plenty of sheaves. So the dream was going to come true because it was from God. And the brothers of Joseph, in order to get more sheaves, more grain that is, they would have to go and bow down to Joseph. So from God's standpoint, this was all bound to happen. It was going to happen because God had showed it, shown it in a dream to Joseph. But it was a long time coming, right? It's, so this day of reunion was here now. But this is overwhelming to both the brothers and to Joseph. And uh, let's just read verse 4 before I comment a little bit more on something here. But verse 4 says, And Joseph said to his brothers, 
Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. So these brothers are just really taken aback by all of this, what's happening here. The one that they had thought that they had gotten rid of, the one that they had sinned against is once again before them, and he is alive. And as we have seen glimpses of in this story thus far, Joseph is a a type of Jesus Christ. He's an example of that to us. The one that was to be the Savior, as Joseph was going to be their Savior in the physical sense and supply them with food, right? And the, the world at one time thought that they had rid themselves of Jesus Christ. They thought they did, right? They crucified him. He was dead and buried, but he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And one day, just like the brothers are seeing Joseph again, we will all see Jesus again. We will stand before him and he will reveal to us who he is. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, there is a prophecy of that great day of the Lord. And it says that they will look on him whom they have pierced and they will mourn as for an only son. So the day is going to come when Jesus will appear again and we will see him for who he is. And it says, just like these brothers are looking at him and they're dismayed, you can't be. You can't be Joseph. All those years ago, 30-some years ago, whatever it's been now, we've sold you into to slavery. We threw you in a pit. We got rid of you. And they're dismayed in His presence. And that's what it's going to be when Jesus comes back. They will look on Him whom they have pierced. Right? So just as the dreams of Joseph came to, to pass, the fulfillment of the return of Christ will come to pass. We will all be before him someday and every knee will bow to him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And if you remember, also in chapter 44 there, we saw again that repentance of Judah as he was standing before Joseph. He was remorseful of his past sin. His heart had come to the right place finally. And when that day comes, the day of the Lord, the day that we stand before Him, if you have repented of your sin in this lifetime, you will be received by the Lord into your eternal home of heaven. Look at what happens here in verse 5. Joseph says to them, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you, to preserve life. Now pause right there again. This is truly just a a kind-hearted, compassionate statement from Joseph here. But what's the reason that Jesus came to the earth? Did He not come that we may have life, that we might have abundant life? Did He not come to, to seek and to save the lost? Yes, He did, right? And with Joseph here, He is telling His brethren that what they did to him, God was in it all. And God was with him through it all. And God has worked it out for good. And he says in verse 6, For these two years the famine has been in the land. 
and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So God used Joseph to be their great deliverer. But there was still a greater deliverer to come, and that was Jesus Christ. And he came into the world to save us, to redeem us, to deliver us. Verse 8, So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, Joseph was an older man than Pharaoh, it seems. And Joseph was someone that Pharaoh looked to for wisdom and guidance. You see, it's amazing what God can do in and through the life of a person that is submitted and committed to him. In reality, there was none in the land greater than Joseph at that time. He didn't have the title of Pharaoh, but he was used by God in a greater way than this Pharaoh was. And we need to question ourselves from time to time. What do we seek in this life? Do we seek titles? Do we seek popularity, corporate success, financial success, acceptance from others, prosperity and such? Is that the most important thing in our lives? Or is seeking the will of God above all else the most important thing in our lives? You see, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than than we ask or can even imagine, right? or can even think of. But yet so often we, we like to take our lives by the reins and say, we're going to get through life and we'll have the Lord off to the side over here. He will be our religion. He will be our Sunday thing. He will be our Wednesday night thing. He will be this or that to us. But that's not what the Lord wants for us. He works all things together for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose, but He wants us to be totally focused on Him. Let's um, mark this page and turn to the book of Ephesians, the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Here in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is, a, is um, encouraging the believers that live in the city of Ephesus, and he's encouraging them to stay the course in Jesus Christ and to walk the walk. Paul is actually in prison at the time that he wrote this letter, and that was bad times for him, obviously. And Looking down at verse 13, Paul says, Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now pause right there for a moment because this is the key thing right here. The key thing is your inner man, who you are internally, right? You and me all need to be strengthened in this way through his Holy Spirit. It's how we have the strength to get through this life, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it may be, right? 2 Corinthians 4.16 tells us that our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed day by day when we have faith in Jesus Christ, when we're walking with Him. It's no doubt that all of us must admit, no matter how young here we are or how old we are, our outward man is perishing. It's beginning to wax older and older and eventually one day will fail. But our inward man is not susceptible to that. It doesn't have to be. We can be renewed in our inward man day by day. Right? But even though our outward man is perishing, it still seems that we give so much attention to the outward and so little attention to the inward. This this ought not be for the follower of Jesus Christ. Because His plan is that we would seek first the kingdom of God. That first being meaning a priority, right? That that be the priority in there, in our lives. That we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then he says that He will add to us all that we need. But we just put our faith and our trust in Him and we put Him first, okay? And the reason I'm pointing all of this out to you is because we see this in the life of Joseph. We see this guy thrown into a pit. Okay, God gives him a dream. Nowadays we think, okay, I've got this promise from God. Everything's going to be good in life. I'm on a road to success now because I trust in God and and I'm going to have prosperity now because of God and I'm going to claim prosperity and name it and all of this stuff that happens within Christianity today. But Joseph was thrown into a pit after he got the dream. Then he was sold into slavery. Then he was put falsely accused and and put into prison, right? But eventually, God worked things out in his life. But it took years and years, but he had to stay the course, okay? So verse 17 here instructs us further as to what our aim should be in this life. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen so you see here we see God's desire for us do you see how he loves us he wants to work in us and through us to do his will but yet we spend so much time seeking our own will looking at our outward man and the outward things. And then then we wonder, where is God? 
Why is His Holy Spirit not working in our lives? But it's our focus, it's our attentions all in the wrong place. And as we flip back to Genesis chapter 45 now, Joseph assures his brothers that God is indeed working in all of this. And He always has been. The circumstances of Joseph's life was not always, you know, everything's coming up roses, right? God was in the good circumstances and God was in the bad. God was with him. Are we submitted to God enough to trust him in, in the fact that he can work out our lives in and through every little detail of our lives? And it may not always be what we want. We may not always be where we want, when we want, or how we want, right? But that shouldn't be our focus anyway. If we're trusting in God, we should say we'll be where He wants us. And we seek Him first above all else. So the brothers of Joseph, though, and Joseph himself, they're, they're very overwhelmed here in this, in this situation. They're very overwhelmed at what the Lord has done. They are excited to say the least. And in verse 9, Joseph says, Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. So Joseph is saying, tell my father, tell our father that it's good here in Egypt. All your needs will be taken care of. Get while the getting's good. And you see, sometimes it's time to get up and move, right? Sometimes it's time to do something different. Maybe the circumstances of your life are prodding you to to do something different. If you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then God is with you. So you don't need to sit around in a bad place. You can get up and go to a good place. And that's what we see here with these guys. The circumstances where they were living were not good. So why not come to Egypt? Why not come here? And Joseph's saying, everything's going to be okay here. Everything's going to be taken care of here. And of course, for those that have not come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, well, then it's time to realize that the Lord, by His Spirit, is calling you to Him to leave the famine, to leave the spiritual famine, And come to the place where you can rest assured that God will take care of you. Joseph was Lord in Egypt in a political sense, and he could see to it that his family would be taken care of. But it was the Lord God that had orchestrated all of this. Right? And there never has been, and there never will be anything more important for us than coming out of spiritual famine, coming to the place where God provides our needs, where we trust in Him. And Joseph continues to speak now to his brother Judah here in verse 12. He says, And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father 
of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. I'm always impacted by this story. I just love it, man. It's just amazing to me. But Joseph probably had a longing in his heart for Benjamin. For all these years, they've been apart. Again, Benjamin was his his full brother, right? Their mother, Rachel, had just two children with their father, Jacob, whom we also know now. We know Jacob also as Israel. But the other brothers obviously didn't treat Joseph all that well as they grew up, but Benjamin was just a little guy when they had thrown Joseph in the pit and when they had sold him into slavery. But anyway, Benj- but Joseph here has forgiven his brothers of their deeds. He held no bitterness against them because he knew that God had worked it all out for good anyway. And then we see in verse 15 that it says, Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. So all was forgiven and all was well. And they had a lot of catching up to do, so they sat down and just talked. Now, what we are about to see beginning in verse 16 here is the fulfillment of God's provision in the life of this family. Keep in mind that this is just not an ordinary family in the eyes of God. These are the roots of the chosen people. God is going to take care of this people in good times and in bad times. This family started back with Abraham, a man of faith, a man who was counted as righteous because he believed God. From Abraham came Isaac and then Jacob, who God would name Israel. And God would give a special land to this people, as we have studied about as well. And this land would be their land. And this land is still, still belongs to those people to this day. There will be times of great favor upon this people. And there, there, are times of great, there were times of great sorrow upon these people. History reveals that to us. Who could ever forget the Holocaust against these people? Though there is a movement today in many universities to try and erase the Holocaust from history. But the thing I want to point out to you here is that even though these are God's chosen people, they will still have difficult times to go through in this world. Today, anyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ is a child of God and of the family of God. But the same holds true for every child of God today, and that is it's not always good times here on this earth. There are times of suffering, times of loss, times of increase, times of success, times of sickness and disease. All kind of things happen. But through it all and in it all, God is with us as He was with the people of Israel. And He cares about our inner man. And He works all things together for good for those who love Him, for those that are the called according to His purpose. Here we are seeing 
God working something good in the lives of these people. This is a time of great favor upon the family of Israel. And at this point, they're just a family. They're not a nation. They're a family. But they're the family of Israel. Who's Israel? Jacob. His name became Israel. Eventually, they will go on to become a nation. And verse 16 begins to show us. It says, Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households, and come to me, I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this, take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives, bring your father and come. When he says take carts, in other words, take enough transportation that you can carry all these people back. Okay. Also, do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh. And he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. So again, we see that Joseph had a, a special place in his heart for his brother, Benjamin. Verse 23 And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the goods of things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. So Joseph provided special provisions there we see for Benjamin and also special provisions for his father. Then 24, verse 24, So he sent his brothers away and they departed. And he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. Now pause right there again, because it's interesting here what Joseph says to them. He says, see that you do not become troubled along the way. The King James says there, see that you do not fall, see that you fall not out by the way. The Hebrew word used there is the word regaz. And it's a word that means to become agitated, excited, or perturbed, right? I think what Joseph may have been saying here is don't fight amongst one another. These men, his brothers, had just received a great windfall, a great increase. They've, in a sense here, hit the jackpot with all that, that, that Joseph has given them. And we know how human nature is when these kind of things happen, right? If there's an inheritance, there's often a family fight. Why did Benjamin get so much? He's a spoiled little brat, you know? Why does he get all this? Why did he get five changes of garments and I only got this? Right, that's just the the human nature. And Joseph's saying, don't fight with one another. You know, forget all that stuff. See what God's doing here. But especially in the large family, you can see these kind of things happen even today, right? But Joseph's warning them, don't do that. Verse 25, then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. Now, what a moment this is for Jacob. 
They're telling him that Joseph is not dead. All these years, he has thought that his son was dead, and he's alive, and he's governor over all the land of Egypt. Jacob is just dismayed as well by this. He's just taken back. He can't believe his ears. Verse 27, but when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Now, this is very powerful to me, and I'll tell you why. Because Jacob's spirit came to life, we see here, when they told him the words of Joseph. When he saw all the blessings that they had brought back with them. And today, when people hear the words of the Lord, the word of God, and when they see the blessings of the Lord upon your life, they too can have an experience of their spirit being revived. Their spirit coming to life because they hear the words of the Lord and they see the effects, right? You see, because of sin, the spirit of man, the spirit of woman today is dead because of sin. But when we hear the words of the Lord, our spirit can be revived. We hear the gospel, the truth, the word of God. Jesus is Lord of all. There is none greater and there is no other answer for a dead spirit. Sin kills the spirit of man. The word of the Lord revives it. And Jacob looked upon his sons, you know, and he has had experience with his sons in the past that they can be, they have been kind of knuckleheads in many ways, right? So his first reaction is disbelief. He didn't believe it. But the words of Joseph, when they spoke to him the words of Joseph, then everything changed. And verse 28, then Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Now, we've seen the name of Jacob used interchangeably with the name Israel, right? It is, of course, speaking of the same person. But oftentimes you see in Scripture that when they talk about, when they name him Jacob, he was the whiner, the complainer, the woe-is-me guy, right? Israel was the man of faith. Again, it's the same person, right? And the name is used interchangeably, but we get a picture from this of what it is to walk by faith and what it is to walk by sight, right? But God's in the whole story. You see, when Joseph, again, was cast into the pit, God was still working. When he was sold into slavery, God was still working. When Jacob thought that his son Joseph was dead, God was still working. When the famine came, God was still working. When they prospered or when they struggled, it didn't matter. God was still working. And now that Israel heard the words of Joseph, it was enough for him to know that God was still working. And we can stand on the word of the Lord today, no matter what. We can be people of faith. We stand on the word of the Lord, no matter what's happening, no matter the circumstances of our lives, be they good, be they bad, no matter what it is, we need to stand by faith on the word of the Lord. 
Life may cave in all around us and make us feel like we can't do it, but that's what we need to do. We need to stay focused on the Lord. Now, oftentimes people will do that when times get hard, but they'll fade away from it or, you know, kind of phase it out of their lives when times are good. But the Lord wants us focused on Him through it all and in it all, right? And if we have the Word of the Lord in our lives and His blessings are upon our lives, we need to also tell others and we can watch their spirit be revived. That's why I do what I do. It's the only reason I do what I do is to see the, to hope that the spirit of people will be revived, you know, and that people will grow in their knowledge of the Lord and have a walk with the Lord. I get nothing else out of that. I get nothing out of that other than knowing I've got a brother or sister in Christ, right? But Jesus is alive and well. And this is enough for all of us to know, just like it was enough for Israel to know my son is alive. It's enough for us to know that Jesus is alive. And he is more than enough for us. And we need to hear his word, live his word, and share his word with others that their spirit may be revived as well. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the power of your word, the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I just pray that your word would not fall on deaf ears for us, Lord, but that your word would just take root in our hearts and be a lamp to our feet, a light to our paths, Lord. That we would walk by faith. In other words, that we would take action to to stand upon your word. No matter the circumstances of our lives, Lord, no matter what's going on around us, Lord, that we will just shun everything else and stand upon your word and who you are, Lord. I pray your will to be done in all of our lives. I pray your will to be done in the lives of those that are listening to the recording of this teaching now. I pray your will, Lord, upon all of us. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you've not left us alone. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Word. We just love you, Jesus. We thank you for this time and this day. In Jesus' name, amen.